pockets of a beer or a cold libation. I can tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said I'll start off with some talking and some moody flips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the box come on, contest and of course you know it's all about games. That's a slogan, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Today, I just have a short show. We're having a lot of long shows lately. Sorry, I'd like to space these out more. I've just got so much content (laughs) that I'm trying to shove down your throats all at once. Um, Sorry about that. So we've got Night of the Ninja back to the table. This is another two-player game. Night of the Ninja, of course, is the mid-80s Canadian role-playing game about playing ninjas that are mercenaries in the 1980s. It's like they watched a bunch of ninja movies, like The Ninja Mission, where we got the clip art for the cover today. Um, If you haven't seen The Ninja Mission, I will talk about that in a future episode. But, yeah, it's pretty, pretty great. Anyhow, The Night of the Ninja is a pretty fun role-playing game. It's actually a really well-designed, interesting game, but the rule book is typical 80s rule book, so it's disorganized, and it's easy to miss things, and luckily, one of the players, so the players were the two Joes, Joe Rodriguez of Hindsightless, and Joe Salvador of Raven Guy Games, and Joe Salvador picked up a copy of the rule book, so now we both have copies, and he was able to fact-check me a little bit, and he found a couple things I missed, like the fact you initially roll your ability scores twice and take the best roll. The sentence is not where it should be in the rules, and like a lot of the rules, it's in the kind of weird place, and it's easy to miss. So the fact we're able to bounce off each other because we each have a copy of the rulebook really helped. I am going to endeavor to make a character creation cheat sheet and a combat cheat sheet for this game, and that'll make it run smoother. The game actually runs really smooth. It's just... It's like a Palladium game. It's hard to find the rules. The rulebook isn't laid out maybe as well as it should be. But there's actually a really good game in there. And we had a lot of fun. I So for this mission, they went on. They created their ninjas. I don't create two sets of ninjas. A set of zero-level ninjas and a set of third-level ninjas. And by the time you're a third-level ninja, you're super tough in this game. But anyway, they are there in Japan, and they get a call. Their their clan has been hired to protect some uh, high-profile scientist and his daughter because they're worried the Soviets are going to come get them because, it's, you know, this is the 80s. This is set in 82. And what happens is another group is going to go pick up the scientist, but they're tasked to go get the daughter. Now, the two third-level ninjas are in Tokyo at the clan headquarters, but the zero-level ninjas are closer to where the daughter is in her school. So... They get the phone call, they head off to try to pick her up, and as the others hop in a car and go up to meet them, and then they're all going to go to the safe house together. Unfortunately, when the zero-level ninjas get there, after having some harrowing experiences on the roads trying to get there, 
they they get there just in time for a kidnapping attempt on this daughter of the scientist. And they try to intercept the kidnappers. The kidnappers tear through the school grounds on Land Rovers. They're they're driving through the, the grounds. And our heroes try to jump on the on the vehicles to distract these guys. Unfortunately, they didn't roll very well, and they both fell off the, the Land Rovers. Land Rovers skid into position. A bunch of ninjas barrel out, and they've got tranquilizer guns. And they manage to shoot our heroes and knock them out. When our heroes come to, they're captured. Now we don't. We're gonna have a flashback next session to see what happened while they were captured. But effectively, what happened was they were captured, and the girl was captured and taken back to this competing ninja clan who's working for the Soviets to their their hideout on Sato Island. Or, well, their clan headquarters in Sato Island. It's not really a hideout. Anyhow, our third-level ninjas, our, our more experienced operatives, finally get to the school after driving there from Tokyo. It's, it's located in northern Japan. And they get there, and they talk to a local detective and get some information. They find some Soviet cigarettes where one of the Land Rovers had been sitting, hiding behind a building, and somebody was chain-smoking, the driver was chain-smoking. So they found some evidence, and they were able to recover one of these tranquilizer darts that, that had been shot into because they didn't just shoot the three they kidnapped, they also shot some of the other students. And they were able to go back to the lab, do science, with a capital exclamation point, right? Capital science. And they were able to do science and find out that this poison used in the tranquilizer dart is, some, is a ninja poison and used by this competing clan. So... They go over to Sato Island, do an assault on the compound of this clan. They get into a fight. They take out some of the civilian security guards there on the perimeter. They get deeper in, and after surveilling, they see where their zero-level ninjas are being held. So they free them, and that's where we stop the session. And when we pick up the session, the zero-level ninjas are going to tell the higher-level ninjas what happened to them, and that's when we'll do the flashback. And then they're going to have to try to rescue the scientist and his daughter before the Russian submarine surfaces and, and picks them up. So that's where we're at with Night of the Ninja. It's been a lot of fun, a real blast to run, really enjoying it. A couple admin notes. Today is the last day to call in your entry for Lady Hawk. The 22nd of December is the cutoff. So actually you have two days. You have today and tomorrow. But the 22nd is the cutoff. Get me your watch, Lady Hawk. Let me know what you think of it. That show comes out on the 25th of September. The 27th of September is the last day to get your fish out of water entry in for the contest. And there will be prizes for that contest. All the ways to send me entries are in the show notes. So get me those entries. Now, I have a few phone calls. So let's open up that mailbag. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke by your spouse, but the operator screaming is coming from inside the house. Hey, Jason, such an amazing and engaging interview with John Torres for the uh, Mojito however he pronounced it, I can't pronounce it, I'd love to pronounce it like he did, game, um, 
it sounds very intriguing and and something totally different very different maybe not totally different but very different i the sun sign thing is really neat the zodiac sign um i know harn master does that too and it kind of builds in there's no negatives there's no negatives in your sun sign um it builds into your your various skills which i think is kind of cool and i love how how john is incorporating that into here um i think it would take a very serious group i mean i don't know i um i know i have some players who are very silly and and do like to do campy things but i mean do you feel like you could have you think that there would be laughs in a game like this i mean i guess there could be but would they be in context or be like silly like you know i remember one time in a traveler game people were playing varger and one guy wanted to name his character scooby-doo um which Wrong game for that, I think. Anyway, uh, great interview. I'm only halfway done, and it's so engaging. I wanted to leave you a message. I might leave you another one. But I really, uh, it would be great to talk to John, honestly, and uh, myself. Uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm just not as brave as you to ask people to interview. Anyway, I'll talk to you later. Hey, Carl. Thank you so much for that call. Of course, that's Carl Rodriguez, the geomologist presents. John's very approachable. Carl, re- reach out to him. I'm sure he'd be happy to talk to you. There is a pronunciation guide in the game to help you pronounce those words. I know I leaned on him to pronounce them. And, you know, it really is a dead language except for some scholars and whatnot. So it's different. Our our mouths aren't trained to form those kind of words, right? But it was a really interesting interview, and I'm glad I talked to him and glad we got to explore that game. And I am looking forward to getting the game. I'm, I'm especially looking forward to reading through the all the setting material that's in there. Also, I think I already mentioned this to you, Carl, but I'm currently listening to an audiobook series, the first of a trilogy that's about a murder mystery set back in the Aztec Empire. And it's really interesting to see the research and to you know, kind of experience that world as much as you experience through a novel, right? And in this novel, of course, magic is real, and it's really interesting. So, Alette de Bourdon, Bourdain, I'm probably saying that wrong, uh, French-Vietnamese author, I believe. The book's name is Servant of the Underworld. Very interesting book, and I'm five chapters in, but I do recommend it. Thank you again for that call, and let's go on to our next caller. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for um, for your episode on Revenge of the Ninja. I never saw that when I grew up, and um, yeah, I missed out, man. I ended up ordering like all three ninja movies from Japan, like the VHS tapes. Um, I can't afford the laser discs, but um, man, I have to own those Revenge of the Ninja looks so good and sounds so good i've watched bits and pieces on youtube <clears throat> or tubi and um but i have to watch it properly <laughs> the way people watched it um in the 80s so yeah thanks man thanks a lot hey sam thank you for that call yeah, these movies are really great. I do highly recommend trying to get copies of them, as well as Shokasugi's other movies. Pray for Death is especially good, and Rage of Honor is also well worth tracking down. 
So good luck on that and really appreciate the call and the kind words. It was very nice of Joe to come on and talk with me about these movies is a fellow connoisseur, you know, of the genre. Okay. Speaking of a Joe, although I was talking about Joe Salvador, let's take some calls from Joe Richter of Hindsightless. Yo, Jason, just getting finished listening to you and Minion's epic conversation about Wild Angels, Hell's Rebel, Wild Angels, Wild Angels. Sorry. Uh, that was really, really interesting, man. I've seen bits and pieces of that movie throughout my time, but never the whole thing at once. And this this was great. So thank you. I'm really, really happy you pointed out sort of the absurdity of Blue's big speech there at the end about how they don't want to be pushed around. That might be true, but as you mentioned, they don't mind pushing other people around. So yeah, man, like, <laughs> that was cool. Also, like, he's like, we're not children of God, we're hell's angels, but angels are even the ones in hell, according to a lot of Christian mythology, are God's children, so that doesn't even work. But, dude, that was... <laughs> That was really, really cool. I think you guys did an awesome job of bouncing off of each other. Even though Menion was a little hungover and it was 7 o'clock in the morning, he absolutely held his own. Awesome work, Menion. Rob, great job. Yeah, that was awesome, guys. Really, really good stuff. I'll catch you next time. Peace out. Oh, Jason, me again. I totally forgot to mention in the beginning of the episode uh, when Rob was talking about how when they were showing shots of the California oil fields, that's not what he was expecting California to look like. And yeah, dude, I, so I grew up down in Huntington Beach, California, a.k.a. Surf City, USA. So when people think about that, they think about this beach city and everything's all hippie and beachy. But if you go a couple blocks in... I mean, I lived backed up to some oil fields. My my house was pretty close where I grew up was pretty close to these these large just dirt fields that stretch for friggin ever. It felt like when we were kids, you know, and we'd go ride our BMX bikes back there and stuff because there was all these people would build like dirt bike tracks. But yeah, they were and just big these. We, they look like dinosaurs, right? When we were kids, we would think about them as like dinosaurs, these big oiled derricks that were just pumping automatically forever, just nonstop. And yeah, that's that's the juxtaposition of Southern California. You have this glorified beach life that everyone sees in the media, but the reality of Southern California is quite a bit different. It is, it's a lot grittier than it appears on TV. So I, that was cool. That meant that Rob noticed that. And I just wanted to say, yeah, man, that's, that's how it is. More so back then than it is now, but it's still like that today. And especially like when I was growing up back in the 80s and stuff. So anyway, man, that's it for real this time. Take it easy. Great job again, boys. Peace out. And remember, folks, if you sent a call in to Jason and you haven't heard it on this episode, have no fear. It will appear. Joe, thank you for those kind words. I really enjoyed recording that with Rob. We had a lot of fun. Probably should have edited it a little bit shorter, but, you know, you don't think about those things till afterwards. And this is Gorilla Podcasting anyway. I have another great talk about a movie coming up on Sunday. Daniel, the Bandits Keep Media Empire, joins me to talk about Albert Pun's Radioactive Dreams.
uh, post-apocalyptic movie that's right up Carl's alley. So join us then, and until then, be excellent to each other. Joke about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I could shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. There is a dustbin in your moilest body tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are arising and the world's gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck